Are you here to listen to part two of my interview with teacher and fellow youth worker Michelle Pick? Well, get ready because she shares some great insight and wisdom with us today as we talk about strategies and tips, the importance of feeling connected to a caring adult, and what we wish adults understood about young people. We also discuss faith and so much more. So let's go ahead and get started. Have you ever felt that we are losing young people to the world around them and that they have already chosen to walk away from Jesus without even knowing him? And did you know that all young people are at risk for something? That's why I want to welcome you to the Jesus is my hashtag podcast, where positive youth development and youth ministry intersect. I'm your host, Deb Schroeder. Join me weekly for encouragement, resources, and strategies to assist you in helping young people make Jesus their hashtag. Before we dive in, I do want to encourage you to follow the Jesus is my hashtag podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And if you want to be even more connected, go visit me at jesusismyhashtag.com and click the join my newsletter bar at the top. Now let's turn back to part two of my interview with Michelle. What are your best strategies or tips that you have or tell someone in regards to making a connection with young people? How do you connect with them? Yeah. Okay. First and foremost, I think, uh, like we talked about earlier, laying the framework early on for the high expectations. Um, We have to know what people expect of us and uh, the kids have to know what we expect of them or they can't, they can't give it to us. Other than that, I think that you have to identify with them on some level and you have to show a personal interest in the student. So for example, it's a great first week of school activity. It doesn't need to be one where they have to put themselves out there or embarrass themselves at all and talk in front of a group they don't know yet, but usually an index card situation. Tell me something I should know about you. Tell me what you like to do in your free time. And then say a girl says she plays soccer. I can ask her how the game went in soccer season or maybe show up to a game. My husband and I have gone to soccer games before um, just for that reason or, you know, to all the activities, really. We try to go to, to quite a few. And yeah, that helps a lot. Do you feel like young people are looking for an adult to make a connection with them? Yeah, whether they would admit it or not, or whether they could actually identify with that, they certainly are. I think that helps them feel valued. And especially at uh, the age of kids I work with, with high school kids, they're kind of yearning to be adults, even though they might not necessarily want to quite get there. So I think that when people talk to them like they're adults, I think they really appreciate that and respond to it well. In my experience working with young people, Not every adult or not every person values young people. They don't value the gifts, the abilities, the talents that they have. Um, Young people sometimes feel like adults don't have that high expectation of them. So that kind of leads to my next question. What do you wish that adults knew or understood about young people? I think that people should just realize that every single kid has the potential within them, whether it's very deeply um, or whether it just the surface just needs to be scratched, but it's within them all. It might take some work getting there. There's usually a reason for every behavior also uh, kind of goes along with that. So if, if it does take some digging, you know, to get to that potential and to get to that uh, better behavior you want to see or whatever outcome you're looking for, there's always something behind those behaviors, whether 
the kid is walled off or has an attitude or is disrespectful or just doesn't want to get work done. There's, there's something hindering them or there's some reason behind that. So if you can identify that reason, of course, that's going to, that's going to take you a lot further. Uh, the other thing is when you say, when you wish people knew, and, and I use this technique too, it, it helps me to remember, especially with the more difficult kids, like everybody is somebody's baby. Mm, yes. Even if that somebody doesn't value them now, they were at one time a valuable little baby and they're still that little gift. That is such a good, that is so good to think of it that way that, you know, they are, they're their child and they're still, you know, when we work with them as youth, they're still in development. They're not done. They're transitioning through adolescence, even if their body might look like they're an adult or how they carry themselves or dress they're still a child inside. They're still going through these stages of development. And I think sometimes we assume they should be further along if they carry themselves a certain way, but we have to remember they're still a child. They are someone's baby. That's great. It's a great way to look at it. Tell me about the difficult ones. Tell me about the kids that are hard to connect with and how that makes you feel and what you do, or if it makes you dig in your heels or how, what does that look like for you? Cause I know you encounter students who push you away because they don't want you to make a connection. Those are the tough ones. And, you know, just like I said, there are a few glory stories every year of this is why I do this. And this is amazing. Um, there are also a couple of the tough ones every year. And sometimes they end up working out. Sometimes they're some of the greatest success stories and they turn into the glory stories, but Sometimes it's it's just not, it doesn't go that smoothly. I think I just, you try, you bring in any resources you can. If you can find another adult, you know, who connects with them. And again, I'm, I'm thinking of a particular kid right now who has a rough go of it at home. Um, but I know that he, like, like I did at that age, he had a foundation connected to faith. And um, he did have some adults in his life who were, were more constant, but um, so I would check in with him periodically. I still do. I ran into him a couple of times this year, even though I don't have him in class, but I would check in and I'd say, you know, is it time to check in with your youth pastor? Is there, cause I know he connects with him quite a bit. Um, we don't go to the same church or anything, but I've said, you know, I have his email address and want to make sure you have what you need and you're kind of on, on the right course. So I think bringing in other people, any other resources you can, you know, find an, another teacher who, who is having an easier time with that person and you say, you know, what do you do? Like, what, what can you use? Or just having a frank discussion with the kid on your own one-to-one. I think that's great. I, I love how you talk about resources and you know, I think so often it's easy as a youth worker, whatever role you play to try to want to do it all or to feel like you have to do it all to help a young person. And, you know, what I learned years ago is that I don't have all the resources. I'm not going to have all the resources. And so it is about connecting people and building this safety net, building this, you know, group of people to come behind and walk alongside with the young people. So that's great that you talk about the resources and that connection. Is there anything else you would say or share about um, how to make a connection with a young person? Yeah. So one thing that I have kind of um, honed in on over the years 
is, you know, it's not just a single kid. The kid comes from somewhere every day. So making a connection with those around her or him at home, that helps in so many ways. It helps the kid know that, hey, this person is invested in my life. It helps the parents know that. And um, then everybody's also on the same page for even more increased accountability. Also, parents love to hear um, that their kid is great. So why not? Why not tell them that? And there, there's a big push in the schools for making positive contact. So we're not just calling home when there's a problem or when, when kids are not doing well in school. If we can you know, talk to parents and say, hey, your kid is great at this. I appreciate having them in class or um, things like that. I think making that positive connection with the rest of the family is good too. I think sometimes it surprises the parents. I was in the office one day when this one young man was leaving who had been some had some discipline issues while I was subbing and I knew he was going to be playing a sport this spring and um the dad he came to go his dad came to check him out for an appointment and I took a moment and I said, "Oh, is this your son?" and I was able to say, "You know, I've just really enjoyed him." in class. And I just am excited how, you know, he's just very smart and just, I'm excited to see what he does. And I like the dad almost stepped back because I don't think he is used to hearing that because I know this kid has some, has had some behavior issues. And so I do think he gets probably the other calls more than he gets those positive points of contact. And I just think that it's easy, right? As a parent, we love it. We do. Let's be honest. We love to hear our kid's a good kid, a good person. The young person needs to hear that. But I think that that's another way that we as a youth worker, a caring adult, we can impact that young person. If they know we're telling their parent, we think yes. highly of them. That means something to the kid. Let's talk a little bit about faith with young people. I know you're in a public school and that looks a little different. What role do you see or how how comfortable do you see young people being with their faith in your classrooms, in your groups, or in the schools, wherever you're connecting with young people? This is tough because, yeah, in a public school setting, especially today, it doesn't come up a lot. Um, if kids talk about it, that's fine. And if they talk to me about it, that's fine or to each other. Of course, I'm not the one to ever initiate any conversation like that. Right. Um, if kids talk about church or doing something with their youth group, a lot of times then, you know, I'll talk to them a little more and and see what they're up to. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot of conversation about it. I it, it makes me nervous to be honest, you know? It's a little bit scary. And I I mean I I do not feel that way as far as other people talking about their faith. I am accepting of if kids want to express if they want to do um or talk about any of their religion or their faith no matter what faith it is, whether it aligns with mine or not, I'm totally fine with it and I and I welcome it. You know, and as long as they're the ones initiating it, it's fine. And as long as um, everyone's talking respectfully. One time we had um, a student who talked about being Mormon. And so then right away, the other kids were like, oh, what's it like to be a Mormon? Is it like what we see on TV? And can, can you tell us more about it? And he started talking and, and he was answering questions. And the kids were kind of pelting him with a lot of questions. And I had a couple of questions. And then I stopped and I was like, are you okay with this? But answering questions about your faith. And he goes, no, I would love to talk about it. And so we kind of spent a long time that wow. class period, um, just kind of listening to him and what his life was like. And it was so good for the kids because, and it was good for me too. I learned so much that day and, and, and that's fine. That's great. And it was good for, for him to share. So, but yeah, as far as me initiating conversations, I of course don't, but I do see, I feel like a fairly 
decent amount by that a few handfuls of kids who who are pretty comfortable talking about their faith at school but a lot of times our kids I know you know from church or because I have kids their age so they probably know that they can kind of say whatever you know my bias here Jesus is my hashtag was born out of Mm -hmm. this desire that young people would make Jesus their hashtag right that it would be something that becomes a part of them. I know that developmentally, that's another piece of this when they accept faith and how, you know, when they separate it from what their parents believe to what they believe. And that's the stage that they're going through in adolescence. And I just, my heart is just so full that I know young people need something. They need a faith. They need to ground themselves. And I think it it isn't just for students who struggle, you know, it is for me and the way we raise our children, it's the foundational piece. And that's my bias. So thinking about that, what advice would you give how we can help young people grow in their faith? Now, maybe not just in your role in school, but how can we as caring adults help young people grow in their faith? I think um, just like, uh, well, it's like my job, but I think uh, you have to make it applicable. And I know that uh, the church that, that you and I both go to, I think they do a fantastic job of that. And I've seen that in my oldest daughter as well, that has come into play and has been pretty important in her life. Um, so if you can make things relevant for them, I think that that is where it is. And I know that in their youth programming there, they focus on topics that are relevant to them. And I think that's key. Also that they're able to ask questions. I believe the space and freedom to ask questions is really important. And I think sometimes it's scary to have a young person ask questions, but particularly about faith. And because I think adults are all at different stages as well, right? We don't, you know, when you hit a certain age, it's not suddenly every question you have about faith is gone. You're still working through it. We work through different seasons and new questions come up that it can be scary as an adult to have young people do that to ask questions. Yeah, and sometimes we're circling back ourselves. Like, hey, so like, especially when you grow up, I think so embedded in a church or a religion like I did, you know, growing up with so much of that kind of coming at you and just being immersed in it. And you take it for what, just what it is at the time. You don't put a lot of thought into it later in life. It's like, okay, so now let me think about that and let me actually kind of analyze what's there and, and what does it mean? And And then you come up with more questions for it. And I think to create an environment where young people can ask questions really connects to another developmental outcome. Young people are looking for safety and structure in their life. And so they're going to build a relationship with you if they feel safe in your presence. They're going to ask those tough questions if they know it's a safe space. What do you do to make your space, your classroom, or if you lead a youth group, what do you do to make that a safe space? It's so important. And I know that. And sometimes it's hard because the space of mine is loud. When I'm not even talking, my face is super expressive. Yes. So if, if sometimes the kids say something kind of off the wall, I have to be sure and be like, Michelle, keep a neutral face, just keep your face quiet. So I think being non, non-judgmental, not letting them feel judged, uh, the cliche people remember Uh, how you make them feel more than what you said to them or or more than what you did. That's key to help them feel safe, to feel appreciated and, and, and that you care that you're not just in it for the paycheck. 
And I don't know if it's an increase, but as I see it now, there's so many young people when you walk in a classroom or even, and maybe a little less in um, a church environment. But when I worked in juvenile corrections, there just was this mistrust. I didn't earn the mistrust, but all the adults that came before or the system, whether it was foster care or the justice system that put them there, there's such a lack of trust around adults and that adults can genuinely care about young people. And that's just hard to watch because I think you spend a lot of time in initiating a relationship is helping young people to move past that if that's a barrier that they're carrying. For sure. Uh, one of the, the things that has really just kind of blown my mind over the years, and it, and it just still does, is that um, not only do kids come to us lacking resources, uh, but also support for education. It, I think a lot of people who don't work the way that you and I work with, with kids like this, I think they would be absolutely shocked to know and truly understand that not only do kids lack support sometimes, but they actually come from homes where it, the support goes the other way. Like they're not, they're not in support of their education. They want to hold them back because maybe they had a bad experience in school or, you know, with, with people um, in a supervisory role or in a, in a authoritarian um, position. And so they, or then maybe they don't even want them to do better than them. They don't want their kids to go further. And that is shocking. And it's, it's not insurmountable though. I mean, that's just where the kids have to see, you know, there's value in continuing this education. There's value in being here and, and people at school aren't bad. It's time to pause the interview with the promise that we will be back for our third and final part next week. I can't wait to share it. Hey there, fellow youth workers. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember what Matthew 9:37 tells us. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, keep showing up and keep caring.